tight zone world. My guest this week is Jen Wozner of Y-Oak, Flock of Dimes, and Dungeness. Real happy to have her in the mix. I want to announce that the Continental MCs Tour starts this Friday in Baltimore at the Metro Gallery. Me, Easy Jackson, dual CD release, DDM, Mickey Free. It's going to be awesome, so please do make it out. This episode is sponsored by the Lineup Room. Let's do it. Well, it was interesting. I sort of grew up, um, my house origin- when I was like really young was pretty rural feeling. There was like a dairy farm right behind us and there were cows. And uh, I think maybe around the time when I was like 10, uh, people moved in and chopped down all the trees and cleared everything and just put this, this McMansion development Mm. right behind my parents' house. And so when that that part of that that neighborhood has changed a lot. Um, yeah. And in the past, you know, 30 years or so. And uh and that was sort of the start of it for me. I, I had this very sort of rural feeling childhood that very quickly sort of moved beyond that. Um but I don't know. I, my upbringing was in no way uh, indicative of the area. I think I had a pretty weird. I jumped around a lot. You know, I went to public school and then a little later on, I went to private school. And yeah. I went to boarding school. Um, you did? Yeah, I did. I mean, it was like a five-day boarding school that was like 10 minutes from my parents' house. But mm. it, I still live there. Um, and, um, and you know, that so that was sort of like a, an unusual. I didn't spend a lot of time. Also, a lot of my friends, a lot of my closest friends and people I played music, music with were in Catonsville. So. Yeah. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time there and yeah. bounced around a bit. I went into the city a little bit. I remember you saying, which I thought was really interesting, that you got your you got trained out of having a Baltimore accent. I at did. One point. I did. That's totally true. I have all these old videos of me um, where I where I have a Baltimore accent, and um, specifically the one that I like the most is like uh, I'm singing that song "High Hopes," um, the one that like. Just what makes that little old ant think he can move all rubber tree plant? You know, ha hopes. Um, yeah, like I had do like the whole performance. I like I know. I mean, I nailed it. I was yeah. I was awesome. But yes. it's real. It's like thick, you know. And then um, later on, I I have a, mem- a distinct memory of um, like I guess they sent me to speech therapy, and I I think it was because they said it was because I had a lisp, but I have a feeling that it was. Not. <laughs> yeah. I think it was because I sounded insane. Um, and yeah, I think also just sort of surrounding myself with people from different places and eventually it sort of equalized. But I, ironically, I've spent a good portion of my life trying to get the real authentic Baltimore accent mm. that I had back, which has not been entirely successful. But So how did you start going? Like you went to like like McDonough and all I that, did. Right? Yeah, that was where I lived. Um Oh, that was that is that a was the boarding school, school where I went. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. Crazy. It's not all boarding school, but partially it is. Um, I went there like it was a total long shot. My parents don't have a lot of money. Um, never did. Uh, and but one of my teachers in elementary school encouraged me to um, to apply anyway, and I did, and I got in. And I remember my mom explaining to me that I uh, couldn't 
afford to go, but that she was really proud of me for getting in and that I should be really proud of myself, but we couldn't afford it. Yeah. And so we declined and then they came back and they're like, what if we give you some money? And we were like, that's cool. Uh, still can't afford it. And basically that went back and forth a few times and eventually I ended up going there for free. Um, so, which was really, I think it, it changed the course of my life more than probably almost anything I can think of. You know, I met people there that uh, connected me to the people that I still play music yeah. with today. So it was a big deal. Um, and it, it was a wonderful place. And I, I have very, very fond memories of middle school and high school. I think most people uh, don't really have similar <laughs> feelings about that time oh, of their yeah. life. But I was lucky. So how did you how did you hook up with these music people? Um, I met a friend at McDonough and... Um, he asked me to join his uh, play music with some friends and join his band, and I did. And um, uh, that was sort of how I started. You know, I started playing shows at the Catonsville YMCA, and 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 places like that. Um, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. That was oh, like some cool. of my first performing experiences at the Pavilion. Um, at the Lerman, we play at the Lerman, but the yeah. but like specifically like straight up in the YMCA, like in like the weightlifting room of the YMCA. Oh, that's there. crazy. Yeah, I spent a lot of my childhood in that YMCA. Yeah, I, I played crazy. some of my first shows ever in the, in that YMCA. Who were you playing with at the time? I'd prefer not to mention any names. <laughs> you, that's oh, like, okay. ban- like, like of your band? band? Yeah, yeah. Well, like, what, like what would it be? Like, what kind of bands are you playing It was like, like, you know, like garage rock bands. Yeah. You know, like, I was, because I was playing, I was playing keyboards, but I was just learning how to play the guitar. And that was how I was like, maybe I'll like really focus on guitar and mm. like, that I can be in like the cool cool bands yeah i kind of have this feeling you came from a place that was more like where you more had like studied music in a way you know it's funny because i think that is definitely true of a lot of people i know but and i you know i took um i took piano lessons for a really long time but i've never considered myself to be particularly strong theory person yeah i just have a good ear and yeah. uh, I'm still really super duper self-taught when it comes to that sort of thing. But I've I've hung out a lot and played music a lot with people who are um, just really on point with that stuff. Yeah. Who I would consider much much more skilled and um, you know much more musically um, gifted than than I. But I I'm able to get along. I'm go I'm able to go a long way on the strength of my ear. Um, and sort of it just you know I can't uh, I can't hang like I'm not a great sight reader or like I don't. When I write music um, or record music, you know, I'm not like writing these scores or anything. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's I'm sort of somewhere in the middle, I think. Yeah, I'm sure you can you yeah. can hang on that level. I mean, like Andy went to music school and he's yeah. got like the chops and he's got all the knowledge and the know-how. Um, of you know, I'm sort of somewhere in between where I have like some background, but I'm I'm still largely self-taught and so oh yeah yeah largely hang on the strength of just sort of my instincts in my ear. Yeah. I remember one time Mickey telling me about when he was first meeting you guys, I guess he had some kind of like identity crisis or something like mm-hmm. in a very minor way. Like that Mickey and identity? <laughs> no. But like, like he was talking about like going to hang out with you guys somewhere. And it was like some kind of like campfire scenario maybe mm-hmm. and like the acoustic guitar getting passed around and like <laughs> yeah. him being like the only dude there that can't be like 
<laughs> All right, this is my like version of like Lost Highway or, or something. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Like. Yeah. Well, you know, Mickey and I have similar tendencies in that we both tend to place extra significance and importance on the things that we can't do rather than yeah. the things we can do. Um, and the reality of the situation is like for the kind of music that he makes and the kind of music that I make, like that's not really necessarily like a make or break thing. If you, if it's really important to you to like sit around and play songs by the campfire, then by all means, like you can practice. It's cool. Yeah, but like, totally. but I know the feeling of just being like, I can't do this. So like what I can do is somehow lesser yeah, in importance yeah, or totally. significance. Um, I have a terrible time with that and I have to constantly remind myself that um, just because things don't come naturally to me does not mean that they're somehow more important or better yeah. than the things that I can do. Well, where do you, where do you think that that comes from? That is a good question. I do not know. Yeah. Um, I have actually had conversations to this effect for with a few people, um, with a lot of different people and a lot, a lot of different times, but... Um, I was introduced to the concept of something recently called imposter syndrome, mm. which is it's like a non-clinical uh, term that's used to describe the feeling, uh, and you know, in any for, that anyone can have at any time in any capacity of feeling like you're a fraud, feeling like you're a phony, that people are going to find out that you're actually not who or what you say you are, or you know, are good at, you know, like that you're actually not as good as something as people think you are. Um, and I think people have it to varying degrees, and I'm not exactly sure what where it comes from with me. Um, but, uh, but but it's there. But it's definitely always yeah. been there. I haven't always had the term to sort of like define it. Mm. But I think the whole like I mean, the whole fake it till you make it kind of mentality of uh, it can be helpful. Yeah. In keep in like keeping you moving, even though you don't you're not like haven't like necessarily mastered something. But it's also tricky. Um, because you don't want to constantly think like think that you are not um, what you claim to be, or that what you do isn't like of worth. Uh, and specifically with that, I think with that term, it's like in spite of success or in spite of other people's yeah. uh, encouragement or support, you still feel like you're you're somehow like a fraud or a phony. Um, and I don't know. I mean, it's a weird feeling. I mean, I think recognizing it helps and being yeah. like I'm being like that now I need to dial it back but yeah um but yeah I don't know because I remember there was like this one article that that you guys had that was in some like huge publication or something mm -hmm. where it seemed like and I, I I feel like right after I saw it it was like the famous article about mm -hmm, why mm -hmm. it, I know exactly what you're talking about it was the one that I did for the village voice when I was probably the most depressed. I love that interview, man. I I was a hot mess in that interview. Mm. It was it was a basically like they caught me at the craziest time. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I have to give lots of credit to Michael Tedder who who did the interview and wrote the article because he did not pull any punches and it was like I like that it exists. I like that mm. it's out there. I feel like it's one of the more honest things that I have ever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I think most people when they respond to it it's sort of just like I can't believe you would say that. Would say I know it's like well, it's how I really felt. I yeah. Um, I fortunately don't feel that way entire like anywhere near as much as I did then. I think I was in a really bad spot, and I've since taken steps to um, repair myself and also sort of change the circumstances surrounding the way I make music so that I don't feel that way anymore. 
But yeah, it was definitely like I was in a dark place and I was not in the mood to lie about it. Yeah. <laughs> so totally, I didn't. Totally. <laughs> See, I, I think the one thing that really struck me as like strange from it or something um, is that it almost seemed like you feel like you're like somehow lower or something than almost everyone else. Like, like it's just like you've you've gotten this huge like platform to do music, but it's kind of like almost like you feel inferior to just mm. every, everyone or something. Yeah, well, I think the things that I was grappling with at the time were sort of like the concepts of like earning or deserving something. Yeah. I don't think that I felt that I what I did was completely worthless, but it was more that I couldn't reconcile the idea of you know, I mean, I'm I'm in a, I'm in this wonderful, amazing, inspiring community of artists yeah. that I look up to and respect in so many different ways. Yeah. And everyone works really hard and everyone is making really incredible shit and um when it comes down to it, I get this platform and other people do not. And it wasn't necessarily it was sort of like a twisted darker version of a healthy idea which is that like what the healthy version of it would have been you know i'm grateful so i'm going to work hard and be grateful the unhealthy version which is where i was which is that like i should be ashamed of myself because i don't deserve this opportunity any more than anyone else and thus like i should be ashamed for having it i should feel guilty for Mm. having it um, because it wasn't that I felt like I was the worst thing. It was that I didn't feel like I was more deserving than people who didn't have similar good fortune. And there's that's a whole bag yeah. of uh, can of can of worms or bag, whatever kind of worm receptacle you choose to go with. Bags, bags, cans. cans. Um, it's whatever it is. It's a shit ton of worms that yeah. and it really ate me up for a long time. Mm. And I don't know. Uh, so. I think the issue is that I I didn't feel like in my heart that I was doing my best work. And I was caught in this place where I didn't feel like I had the time and the space to um, t- discover what my real potential was and focus yeah. on my craft and really work. Instead, I was in, you know, I had come off of like two and a half years of just insane repetition, just performing the same music over and over again. Yeah. So when you're in this situation where you've arguably got the most success of your entire life, and then at the same time, you feel like you're you're least uh, productive and yeah. creatively fulfilled and connected to your work. It's yeah. this perfect storm, you know, um, of guilt and shame and sort of self-loathing and mm. all that stuff. So, I mean, that was where that was coming from. I'm I'm not there anymore, which yeah. I'm very glad yeah. to say. In a lot of ways, I, I worked around, I worked through a lot of those feelings. Thank yeah. God, but. Uh, but yeah, that I mean, I think why people are people are fascinated with that article and seem to be still pretty pretty fascinated by the things I was saying. Just a lot of people express the need to understand why I was feeling the way that I was and what was going on there. Um, I mean, you don't you don't need me to tell you this, but like, I I put you and Andy in a category with only two other people I know that do music as far as like. You had some like huge breaks early on, but you since did everything right. You know, you know, what I'm, not right. like everything, but like we worked hard. But like, sure. yeah, there's like, 
if you just went to like the crown and like gave someone the same like just like pointed at someone aspiring musician and gave them the same break they might just completely fuck it up yeah almost i would say most people would fuck it up yeah there's no guarantee totally and i think i yeah i didn't give myself enough credit because it comes down to it i did work we did work really really hard and we did make some music that i'm proud of it wasn't yeah it wasn't just luck and chance yeah for sure and i i think that's totally true and totally fair I just think at that particular time, I was, like, not trying to hear it. Mm. I was so I was just, like, in a really dark place. And and in some ways, I think going that dark was what helped me motivate myself to get past it mm. and try harder, you know? Publicly. A, yeah, as yeah. opposed to just sort of coasting and yeah. being like, cool, I guess this is as good as it's ever going to get, so whatever, you know? Um, so, I mean, I, I think that's sort of part of... Part of what you got to do sometimes. But, like, moving back, I guess. Yes. Like, so you're in this garage band scene, kind of, which is Catonsville-based. Yeah, it eventually led to me, like, playing. Like, I remember the first show that I played, like, in Baltimore City proper was at, uh, it was one of those, like, I don't know if this, I think a lot of people have probably had these experiences, and it's total bullshit, but um, it's sort of like pay-to-play situation. Yeah. Where they're like, well, you can play here, but you got to sell X amount of tickets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring X amount of people, and um, you know, and it's like it's just um, some total scam garbage. And but we were so amped, you know, because I was like 15 years old. Yeah, where did you play? It was at the Brass Monkey. Oh, in cool. Fells Point. Classic pay to play. Classic pay to play establishment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a hot mess. Oh God. So yeah, you know, like, but I was amped. I I was just so excited. I yeah. I never played in the city before. Did that kind of lead to to you and Andy playing together? Well, yeah, or? eventually, like, Andy and I played in some bands together, and then, yeah, eventually that led to he and I playing together as a duo. And that started um, when I was, like, 19 years old. And yeah. we called it Monarch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was going on for a little while um, before it became Y Oak. happened when we signed to Merge. Because there were all these other bands called Monarch, and Merge was afraid we would get sued, which may have been true. I mean, there were a lot of them, a lot of bands, a lot of yeah. Monarchs. Not the most imaginative name, um, but uh, I think it's cool. I like it better than Y Oak, but I don't really. I mean, I don't know. I, th- I don't think that it would have been possible to find any name that I wouldn't have, wouldn't have been dissatisfied with in some way. Yeah, I think I have a theory that every band name sucks. Every band name sucks. No, yeah. it, I couldn't agree with you more. It kind of has to. It's just there's just, you got to call it something. Yeah. But yes. The Beatles sucks. Terrible Stupid. Name. Really dumb name. Red Hot Chili Peppers. Terrible name. Sit down. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, yeah, like that's crazy. That so you were like 19 at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When when we got signed, it was early. That's wild. So. You had you just played like a couple shows as Monarch. I don't know. I think we had played. Gotta dig back in my memory. Though. Yeah, I think we had we had done a little like moderate touring, nothing much though. Yeah, you know, all sort of self booked and not a lot. And we had recorded. We made a record and we sent that record around to a bunch of people and tried to scare up some press for it. Mm-hmm. And um, eventually we did, and um, 
um, someone wrote about the record who actually is uh, still a friend of mine. Her name's Mara Johnston. She's a really amazing writer and just a super cool person. And um, she wasn't a friend of mine at the time, so no conflict of interest. But um, she wrote about it, and that was how Mac from Merge heard about it, and he heard the record, and he asked us to sign to his label. That's wild. It is wild. It, it's insane. Like, how did it feel at the time? Totally nuts. I mean, I remember when I found out about it. Um, yeah. I'll never forget it. I knew it was going to be, it was going to change the entire course of my whole life. Mm. Um, and I remember I was shopping. I was thrifting. I was uh, with a friend of mine on the avenue. I was in Avenue Antiques. And I got the phone call, and I screamed and started crying. And, and my friend thought that, like, someone had died or something. Like, you know, she's like, oh, my mm. God, what's wrong? Um, but I just remember it's one of those moments I've had a few in my life where, like, at the moment I knew, like, what a significant moment it was. And I was like, this is, this is going to change my life. Yeah. And it did. It changed my life. It's cool. It's like... You know, like Tim Cabrera just mm-hmm. did an episode here, and um, he was talking about how, like, he's like, yeah, that's not a thing that really happens anymore. Like, a band just gets signed, and then it, but that's kind of what happened. It happened to, to me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. It happened it's to awesome. me. It's awesome. It doesn't, you don't think it does, but yeah. it, uh, it happened. It was, a, it's weird. I, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't ready in so many ways, mm. but you don't really get to pick and choose when these opportunities come you know i I don't regret doing what i did which was basically dropping everything oh yeah yeah pursuing it but at the same time i wasn't i wasn't ready why weren't you ready i don't think i don't think i had really discovered figured out what i had to say creatively Mm. what i wanted what i wanted to say what my music wanted to sound like yeah what I wanted my music to sound like. I don't think I had really figured that out yet. You know? Um, I was 19. Yeah. Uh, and so I sort of figured it out in the middle of it all. Yeah. And I think that's why the project has so much baggage to this day for me. Mm. Um, and why, you know, in that interview that we talked about, uh, it was, I, was, I was feeling such a, such a weight Mm. from it you know yeah um you know art making art is really hard it's especially for me it's really personal so a lot of it involves staying attached to this this version of yourself that is no longer the self that you are um and because of the way things sort of unfolded with merge you know we um got this opportunity we pursued it but you know it required us to re-release a record that we had already made. And yeah. so we started off at sort of a delay. So everything that we made was sort of like coming out a year or more past the point of making it. And I started right. I started getting used to this feeling of the detachment yeah. um, from the work that I had to perform that, you know, past the point of making it. Mm. Um, and then I and it's been a long it's been a long journey like figuring out why, you know, what I what connects me to the things that I make mm-hmm. and why. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it was, I, yeah, and like I said, I don't regret doing what I did, but in a lot of ways I hadn't figured out any of these things about myself. I mm. just did, I just did, you know, sort of like the the path was laid out and I just did every, did all of that. And, it, and, it, and you know, it, in a lot of ways 
it it got me where I am today for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it it was it was difficult. It was really difficult to to feel disconnected from what I was sharing with the world for so long. Yeah, it that's interesting because like I I was talking with Brandon the other day about for years and years my style has been like if I do a song live and people like it, I just drop it from the set. Because <laughs> yeah. it's like that feeling of like, oh, you think this is what it's about? Yeah, like, yeah. like if the <laughs> song isn't exactly how you feel yeah. in the moment, you know, especially some, some early height shit that had some like jokey elements mm-hmm. to it. Like mm-hmm. if I'd see people respond to yeah. humor by... Laughing, yeah, I'd yeah, be yeah. like, "Oh, you're laughing at me? Fuck you!" Like, yeah, yeah. we're shutting it down. And it's like, I could see how you wouldn't have that luxury from like a really young age. Yeah, you know. I mean, it's it's still something I struggle with. The, you know, I I don't consider myself to be a natural performer. And what I mean by that is not that I can't do it. It's something that I've learned how to do. Um, but instead that. I'm at my happiest and like what I wish, what I want to get from music is at its most potent for me in the actual moment of writing, of the moment of creation. Yeah. That's the high point. That's the pinnacle for me. And everything else after that is just downhill from there. Mm. I get farther and farther away from it. I'm less and less connected to it the more I play it. So the way that a career in music as as a band is set up is it's heavily weighted towards performance. And you spend most of your time rehashing uh, songs that you've already made and very little of your time making new ones. And so for some people who really love to perform and for whom the performance is a big part of their art and the way they express themselves, they can do that because it still feels like they are having that moment of inspired. Yeah. They're recreating it every moment. And that's that to me is a natural performer. Whereas me, I'm not natural because I don't, I have to force that and I don't enjoy it. Um, I don't like playing older material mm. and I I have to, I mean, I can, you know, I can do it, but it's not, it doesn't bring me joy in the way that like writing and working and making new music does. Yeah. So I'm, I realize that, oh, well, if I want to love this and feel passionate about it, then I need to spend most of my time creating and writing. Yeah. And less time performing, and that's the only way that, that that's the only ratio that is going to work for me and have me be creatively satisfied. Mm. However, that is not the ratio that would result in you being successful or making money. Right. <laughs> so it yeah. puts you in a bit of a spot. But how do you how do you like enjoy going on tour if you don't like playing live or playing your songs? Drinking. Really. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's the problem. Like, yeah. That's the problem. I mean, that's the thing. And, you know, when you're on tour all the damn time, like I have been for most of my life, I think I did it for a long time because I was just like, yes, this is what I'm doing. We're like, we're working towards something, success. We're getting, yeah. you know, we're making, you know, we got to do this. We got to hustle. And I, that was where the detachment came in. That interview hit me at a point where I realized the true extent of that detachment how much I had sort of sheltered and cut myself off from the part of myself that is creatively vulnerable and inspired mm. in order to be this performer robot that I had to be at the mm. time. And it 
it stood in the way for a long yeah. time of me being able to make new stuff. Yeah. And it was a thing that I had to really, really work towards and just and fight for. Mm. I had to fight to get that ability back. And um, and that was how I ended up making our last record, which sounds different in a lot of ways from the other records yeah. that we've made. And there's a reason for that, and that's because I had to in order to get that that spark back, that ability, yeah. that inspiration back that I needed to do it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I have, yeah, I'm, these are still things that we're trying to work out. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm not built, I'm not the kind of artist that's built for the, the touring band mm. lifestyle. I've done it for most of my life. Yeah. I don't know to what extent I'll continue to do it. I really don't. Yeah. Because I, I, I don't want to be, I want the thing that brings me the most joy in life to continue to bring me joy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't, totally. and if it means I don't make as much money, and I'll make money some other way, but um, but yeah, I mean that's important. That's the most important thing, honestly. I, I've talked to you a little bit about the fact that you want to get down with this like songwriting hustle. Sure, yeah, like, totally. Like, is that is that something you see as more like the good parts of it without the bad parts of it? Ideally, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't really know how one gets into that world in like a lucrative sense, but. I love, yeah, I mean, I consider myself sort of a natural songwriter. It's probably what I do the best and most identify with. And I write songs for myself, but I, I've i enjoyed writing songs for others in the past yeah. when I've done it. Who have you written songs for? Um, like, you know, when I did that, um, I mean, granted, it was, wasn't really for her specifically, but when I made that song that was like, "Quote unquote for Robin." Uh, oh yeah, yeah. That yeah. like sound, you know. I was like, I'll specifically write this song to see if I can do it. You know, I'll right, write this right. song and like that pitch it for too. this artist. You know, and um, you know, I've done it. Nothing has actually come of it because I don't know who to send it to or how would how anyone would get that out into the world. But yeah, um, you know, I do it for fun at home. Yeah. Like I'll write a song that sounds like this person or that person, yeah, yeah, just to yeah. see if I can do it. Totally. You know, it's it's a it's a weird part of the craft. I mean, I definitely can tell a difference between like my voice when I'm writing something and a voice that is like specifically meant for someone else. Yeah. But that's really fun for me. It, I enjoy it. You yeah. Know, it's it's in the same way that I you know I've been like. I've been hustling on some of these jingles and like they're oh, yeah. goofy, but you know, it's like you put yourself aside for a second yeah. and you're just like, I'm just going to execute this task. I'm going to make this thing and and make it exactly the way it needs to be to beat, to meet these criteria. And like, um, and that, and it's, it's, it's fun. It's funny. It's a weird little exercise yeah. that I enjoy. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it's it's not it's separate from my creative, my personal creative expression. Yeah. You know, I'm not like it's I'm not in love with it. It doesn't speak for me. Yeah. It's just a yeah. thing, you know. Yeah. Thing that I do. Do you know the rapper Freddie Fox? I don't know. He's like one of these dudes. Like he has like an album called Industry Shakedown, mm -hmm. where he's just like kind of like calling out dudes in the industry like label is is like i got russell simmons tied up set him <laughs> on fire like like that kind of shit but it's like he's got this like jingle side hustle which i think is like so bizarre he's like this like muscle bound like mm -hmm. maniac dude mm -hmm. and like it's so weird that he can go to a place in it to me that he can go to a place in his mind where it's like Smuckers, jelly, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. 
Because, well, you know, it's like, it is crazy to think of because, you I, you know, the person, the persona that he has for himself is so convincing. I'm sure. Yeah. It sounds like it's like pretty all-encompassing. Yeah, and, yeah. And But, you know, the fact that you can do that, it's it's, it's a sign of a real creative soul, yeah. you know? Um, but, I mean, keeping those things separate is, is fun. But, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, in general, I think um, there's so many reasons why I like um, I like creating, recording, writing more than I like, working in the studio, like, more than I like getting up on a stage. Not that I don't like it, but yeah. only under the right circumstances for the right reasons, like, yeah. if and when I want to. Yeah, totally. I feel like Wyo could kind of stay around forever, I think. And I also think you could you you could do solo stuff that would be like like you know say like say like the more like pop kind of stuff mm-hmm. that you like to write like I feel like that could be I feel like you could be like famous doing that stuff like <laughs> like I feel yeah. like you could be like a star or something but it's like do you feel like you would that idea is like horrible to you or something Yes That's the thing is that um it's very easy, especially in the music business, to just go mindlessly go along with the bigger is better yeah. mindset. Um, like the next, you know, you hear all these terms like the next level. What's the next level? What's yeah. the next step? Big, you know, like playing, got to go to bigger rooms and, you know, sell more records and whatever, you know. Um, and it took me a while to realize maybe bigger isn't better for everyone um i think for me i would very much like to find a place of where i have what i need to make what i want to make and there are people who will want to listen to it and no more yeah i don't i don't i have no i'm just not i like my privacy i um I like to keep my world small. I like existing as a part of a, a community of faces and real people that I see and interact with. I like playing shows to fewer people that because it, it's more in, intimate and it feels more real. Yeah. Um, you know, all of these things are impossible to, you know, they don't, visions of, of fame and, and just like overall like quantity of fans and notoriety like that basically makes that sort of lifestyle impossible. Yeah. Not to say that I assume it would even be possible for, for me, but but that I, I fortunately know myself well enough to know that I wouldn't be happy. Um, I wouldn't be healthy. I mean... Yeah. I, I need... Uh, it, it, I, some people are cut out for it, and I, I don't think that I am. That's interesting. Um, I, I feel fortunate to have figured that out early in the mm. game. So I think I have to make conscious decisions now. At this point in my life, I, I will always make music. I will always share my music. Yeah. But you have to sort of start to think, well, how am I going to share my music with whom and what way to sort of cultivate the kind of fan base that you want, the kind of career that you want. Yeah. And the ideal is not no longer for me is is not, uh, more equals better, bigger yeah. equals better. It's, it's quality over quantity. It's... Uh, Connecting with people who really care about the music that I'm making yeah. on a genuine level. It's playing and collaborating with artists that I respect. It's making records for as much of the time as possible and not 
exhausting myself and burning myself out with excessive touring and mm. and just being like a an entertainer yeah. first and an artist second. Um, and now that I sort of have these priorities in check a little bit, I feel like I'm I'll be better suited to develop to build the kind of career that I want. Mm. I also don't want or need a whole lot of money. You know, I would be very I just want to have enough yeah to like live and and no more. <laughs> yeah. Um because money to a certain extent money equals freedom, but then past that point it it is um trouble. Yeah. And I, for me especially. So. But that's a whole other conversation. I'll leave all names out of the conversation, but of like Two friends of mine got in some kind of disagreement, and it was like two like touring musician dudes, mm-hmm. and like a third guy kind of like smoothed it all over, and like he's kind of like sorry about what my friend did or whatever, and he's kind of like he's like yeah he tours three hundred days a year, so he he uh, doesn't know who he is. <laughs> Which is like, <laughs> Pretty like yeah. horrible to think about, but like, but is a pretty accurate assessment. I mean, yeah, like you have. I mean, it drives you. It has to make you a little crazy, yeah, or a lot crazy, depending on the person. There's that element there, and I think I think it's not like insurmountable or anything, but yeah. there's always that element of like, oh, well, what if I like do my hair like this, or what mm. if I wear this different shirt, or like, yeah, like and like it kind of. Never stops. You, never you know does. what I mean? Like, I mean, that's there's a whole other layer to that too, being female and having to deal with that. Um, because I, like many women, I think I'm naturally. I mean, I live in a world that's just designed to constantly convince me of my inadequacies of all at all mm. the, at all times. Yeah, uh, like all women everywhere, and um, and so you put yourself up on stage in front of people, and it's brutal. And you know, it it takes a naturally. I mean. I'm a nat- naturally fragile person in a lot of ways, and it's just it's a lot to ask of yourself. I remember when I first started doing this, I um before I learned the lesson of um, never reading shit about yourself on the internet. Mm. I was reading shit about myself on the internet, and of course, you know, there's some blog, and I was just like, "She's hot, yeah, she's hot, yeah, I'd bang her." And then like, there's one that was like, "Yeah, this picture is good, but she's actually really fat in person." <laughs> And, you know, like, I think I was, like, 20 when I read that. You know, yeah. for a 20-year-old girl to read that on the Internet from some stranger, um, it never really goes away. It never – you you only ha- – it only has to happen to you once, and all of a sudden you're seeing it in the eyes of every single person that mm. you see. Every, You know, and it's like it – the expectations are so brutal. And I like the person – that I am and I'm comfortable with the person that I am when I'm not on stage. Because yeah. I don't, I've never really given much of a shit about clothes. I don't really yeah. care. I'm not a very like f- fashion oriented person. I'm pretty laid back. I like getting up in the morning and not really thinking too much about what I'm wearing. It's yeah. just not high on my list of priorities at all. I don't care. And when I'm on tour, I have to care because I feel like my, like, I'm I'm fragile. Like I have to like build this yeah. like this like costume that de- defends me and makes me look a certain way so that I'm protected from people's opinions of me. And like you know, it's like this idea of perfection that you'll never that you'll never achieve. And um, it eats women up, and I hate it. And it's it's fucking evil and mm. wrong. Um, 
But I know about myself that, you know, it's another part of what makes performing so difficult is like it, even if you're aware of that stuff, even if it's on your radar and you know that it, you, you know, that it's unreasonable and you know why it's happening and you know it's the result of this, you know, all these different factors, ha- it doesn't mean you don't feel it yeah. and it eats at you. And I'm happy with myself when I'm living a normal life and I'm not getting up and having my picture taken and getting up on stage every yeah. damn day. I am insecure and fragile and unhealthy when I'm on tour. Mm. You know, I don't want to live my life that way. So it's this constant yeah. balance, you know. If you are really into the performance side of it and you're really well-suited to be an entertainer, then there are ways of coping with that. Not not everyone has a, as difficult a time with it as, as I do. Yeah. But I like just feeling comfortable in my skin and, mm-hmm. you know, the way that I look and the way that I like and like – the costume, like the sort of trappings of performance have never been that interesting mm. to me or like compelling. Is there a way to get past it? You know what I mean? Like. I think that people all have different coping mechanisms yeah. for stuff. And I don't think there's a way to get past it entirely if you're a woman woman in the world, regardless of whether you're a performer or not. Yeah. Because you're reminded of it constantly. Mm. Um, there's an entire industry that's built on making women feel inferior, that they need to buy things to be more beautiful and right. more desirable. And millions and billions of dollars are, you know, I mean, it's uh, – it's it's never something that you can live in this world and and get past it. But if you you know if you're talking about just reclaiming performance, yeah. I think what that means is doing it in a certain way. And if you're participating in the mainstream, I mean that's when it, all these all these ideas come into play more because you're in an industry, you're in the music industry, and you know you're playing for more people, and you're it's more than just your art and your voice. It's like your brand, yeah. you know. Uh, and when you make your your art a brand, then you're inviting all these other unsavory yeah. aspects into it, um, and you're selling yourself, and you're you know other people are using you to sell things and the idea of you, and so it becomes a, a bigger deal. And um, I do think there's a way to enjoy performing again, and I think that's what I'm trying to do, yeah. which is like to make sure that I do it in the right circumstances for people that care. And I think that what that means is is downsizing a bit. I mean, I think it means focusing on. Um, yeah, I mean, focusing on the things that that really matter and getting up in front of people and singing songs that I care about mm. and doing it, you know, not necessarily for money or to sell tickets or for ex-promoter, but just, like, um, to to love and to share, like, a real, authentic, genuine yeah. experience with people who are there with you. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I hope that – I mean, I, I there are, when performing is good, it's great. I mean, I, it's not that I don't like it. It's just if it's not right or if you're doing it – if it's just your, your, your nine-to-five job, you're just doing it every single day, it's impossible not to feel detached from it. And um, Yeah, a lot of those things come into play more and more. Yeah. Um, so my – I mean, I, don't, I can only really attest to, like, my own abilities to cope with it. But I, you know – um, I, I've made efforts when performing with Y Oak often to sort of like, you know, I wear a lot of black on stage and I try and minimize my appearance as much as possible. Um, even though it's hard to do just because the sheer act of getting up on stage as a woman has all this baggage along with it. Um, 
and people don't really allow you to minimize your appearance yeah. or what you're wearing. But I'm sure if you're a woman performing on like a higher like platform, like I'm sure there's like I'm sure you get like comments that are kind of like like even from friends and stuff that are like you look so beautiful up there or yeah, something yeah. like that. Like do you, I guess I never really thought about it before but I guess like it's insane. It's all it it's it yeah. all leads to the like fucked upness or Exactly. Something. It all contributes to something that is inherently backwards and yeah. and and really insidious in in its which is that like the way that you look is always in the first. And what if you want to be heard? first yeah. and not seen you know yeah. um and you have to i mean and i think i thought i've read this article recently i think it was about phyllis diller how she had to make herself look less attractive so that people would find her funny because mm. you know people were distracted so distracted by like hot woman yeah. That they weren't listening to what she was saying. Yeah. So she had to, like, deliberately make herself look ridiculous, look a certain way to distract mm. from her, from the way that she looked, from her beauty, so that she would be, people weren't just, like, overwhelmed and distracted by her desirability that they weren't able to listen to what she was saying. Yeah. The fact that that has to happen is fucked. You know, it's totally yeah. fucked. And I, it's often, it's just like, you know, I don't. I don't care if you're trying to compliment me. Like, I'm like, look at what I'm doing. Like, I'm not up here for you to look at me. I'm up here to, I'm playing instruments. I'm singing songs. I'm, I'm doing things. Like, I'm, I'm like, I'm here performing. I'm not yeah. here to just be, you know, subject of your gaze. It's just, right, it's, right. it's fucked. So, yeah, um, that's not something that's going to change anytime soon. I mean, hopefully yeah. it's changing over time. Um, and the more women that have the courage to get up and make music and perform and do things in the world that have previously been considered um, not the territory of women, like the more that women fight for that, the, the better it will be. But um, but it's still, yeah, it's still very much a problem. It's very much an issue. Like, why do you think it is that there is, that music is so incredibly male-dominated. I mean, everything's pretty incredibly male-dominated <laughs> in this I don't world. Think, I don't think in. so. Do, can, like, do you think there's another field where it's like, where it's like, it's like shockingly rare to see a woman? Or you do? I genuinely believe that, like, I mean, the patriarchy is real. Yeah. I believe it is real and it is it is all encompassing and I think it it covers a lot of areas. Um I think that music I mean there are a lot of women in music, but um I don't know, I can th I mean I I can sort of theorize in some ways the way that it feels, the things yeah. that people assume about you, your talents, your abilities as a woman. It's uh it's difficult. It's a difficult thing. I mean, yeah. I've I've sort of always felt like I had something to prove. Mm. Uh, and from the beginning, like the things that I can do, um, like being a singer, for example, I felt all this weird shame and baggage about being a singer because people always assume that you're a woman, you got to be the singer, right? So for a long time, I was like, no, 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 I'm not going to be a singer I'm a guitar player. I play. I play this. I play yeah. that. I'm. A, I'm an instrumentalist. I'm a songwriter. 
the fact of the matter is singing is hard. Yeah. It's a it's a real skill if you have it. It's difficult to do. I work really hard at it. And I'm tired of shying away from something that is an important part of my personal creative expression because it goes along with other people's assumptions about what I can and cannot do as a woman yeah. on stage. So, you know, it's like things like that where it's like this this long roundabout way of getting to a place where I feel um, like I can be who I am without having to constantly feel like I have to prove myself and justify my existence, mm. you know. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like during this whole um, first period of touring, it's kind of it's kind of rocky and crazy, and you don't feel totally comfortable, I guess. But it's like I guess, and then so with like, see, I kind of think of the second, you guys, the second album. I think of it as the first album. Me too. Yeah. Me too. It's like like. What was that like, like, making that album? Well, I mean, that record, I think you're right. I feel that way about it also because um, the first record was just, it was before we had a band. It was before we had a live show. We just sort of made a bunch of different songs. So that wasn't really the product of what became our collaboration as a two-piece. That was more just like we wrote a bunch of songs, we recorded them, and that was our record. We couldn't play most of them, you know? Most of them, like, we... So then, you know, after that record existed, we had our setup, which was I was playing guitar, singing, and Andy was playing drums and keyboard bass. And we yeah. had this sort of skeletal setup for that. And that shaped the writing of, of course, you know, that shaped the writing of the next record. You know, yeah. we were writing for this project. So that was the first time we made this cohesive sounding thing that was meant to be performed in that setup you know, uh, in that way with those instruments. Yeah. So it was, we, we wrote it specifically for that project. Yeah. Um, and if, so it sounds, you know, we were able to play most of those songs, whereas with the first record we, we weren't. And um, so in a lot of ways, I feel like it was our first record too, because it was the first record we made with the live set sort of existing, already existing as a thing. Was that like the beginning of you guys doing these like headlining tours? I guess. Or had you already done some? No, before? not quite. I think we had mostly done, I mean, we, you know, some shows here and there, but yeah. for the most part, early days were a lot of, um, a lot of support tours. Even after the not. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That continued deep into civilian, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. I always think about you, like, when I've done these opening things, like, on bigger tours, like, I think you've done more of those than anyone i have ever met <laughs> i think i've done a few i i don't know i'm, I'm you've sure. done like years of i've them. done a lot of it yeah but it's like I don't, it's interesting like i was thinking about I, I i actually started to like mildly break down to you about it one night when um you came to the uh that new york show that was there was like it was like Dan Deacon, us, Chester, and Alan Resnick. I remember, yeah. Yeah, like, but but we got, like, distracted or something. But, like, I I remember telling you I was just having a hard time with it. And it's, like, it's such a weird thing to, like, o- to open these huge shows. Like, like, 
I think I went into it thinking it was going to be the easiest tour that I ever did. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I think I was like, oh, well, you just get paid every night and there's people that come every no, night. No, you don't have to worry about any, if anyone's going to show up. Yeah. Or, yeah. And it's like, it's like, let's go. And, and it was, I think it was so fucking hard. Yeah. Like, how did you guys like get used to that? You, you know what I mean? I don't think we really did. I mean, yeah. I think also. Uh, goes back to what I was saying about bigger not necessarily being better. Yeah, and it helped me in a lot in a lot of ways to understand to recognize the kinds of shows that I like to play. Yeah, um, and what the value of performance is for me. Um, you know the the intimacy, like the ability to connect with people on a personal level, is important to me. Yeah, um, you know, and I think bands. Bands who get really big and like play in arenas and stuff, they they have they only have so many ways they can sort of cope with that and make it a certain thing. And it realistically speaking, that it's going to be um, it's a it, you've got to put more emphasis on the style over the substance. Like it's got to be a spectacle, even yeah. if you're still you know even if your music is great, no matter you know, no matter what, it's sort of like. It's irrelevant. The point is, like, if you're playing these big places, you have to figure out a way to connect with people on a larger scale, and it just means you have to have a bigger amount of, uh, you know, the, like, just flash. Like, you have yeah. to have, like, a stage show and lights and things have to look a certain way, and you have to, it has to be bigger. And I realized that the kind of music that I make isn't designed the music itself isn't designed for those kinds of environments. Right, right. You know, it's small. Right. It's small music. Or like it should be, ideally, I feel like. It's personal. It's quiet. Not quiet in a in a literal sense. Quiet in like a spiritual sense. Yeah. Like it 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 should be small and intimate and it should its strengths sort of lie in its ability to resonate with people on a real level so it feels and it would feel and it it did feel strange to try and assign some of these over-the-top like big stage performance antics to something like that because it's that's it's just not that kind of music yeah it felt really disingenuous at certain point it becomes choreographed it becomes really yeah it's not. It's no longer spontaneous. I mean, you especially when you're just doing it so many times, only so many times, it can feel really new and unrehearsed. Yeah. Um. You know. So I don't. I learned a lot from those experiences. I'm glad. I. I'm glad I did it. Um. It shaped the course of my life in so yeah. many ways. It. So, you know. But it's. But yeah. I mean. And you never think about that stuff. You never realize it until you find yourself in that position. So, it was very strange. It was a very strange thing. Um continues to feel strange mm. and then and you know what i'm talking about as far as like not like i'm not looking for quantity over quality yeah. that's sort of what i'm talking about i did want to talk about this civilian album mm-hmm. like what was it like to have this like hit kind of album you know um you know honestly i I'm proud of making that record. It's I don't ever want to. I have to sort of preface every, anything I say about it by saying that like I'm very grateful that people responded to it the way that they did. Um, my heart 
was very much in that record. Yeah. And up until that point, I think was the best thing I'd ever done. And, and I, you know, I, we put a lot of work and time and effort into it. And I'm, pr- it's not, I'm proud of it and I'm not ashamed of it at all. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of like, I mean, like I was saying before, you know, I am an empath creatively. The way that I'm inspired, the way that I work, the farther away, the more times I repeat something, the farther away I get from it emotionally, the less I want to embody that. When you make music that's incredibly personal and sort of like vaguely autobiographical, it's it's difficult to inhabit that space uh, if you are no longer that person. Yeah. Personal growth is always important it's especially important i think to me and it's the way that i sort of like work towards new material so at a certain point getting up and playing those songs felt like an acting more than it felt like mm. singing a song that i i felt good about you know so um the fact that that record did as well as it did changed my life yeah and i'm grateful for it and um you know i uh i wouldn't be sitting here i, I don't know i mean i my it it definitely like changed the course of my life, and I wouldn't regret it. And I'm pr- I'm happy that it exists. Yeah. But at a certain point, you know, I realize I'm no longer that person, and it's uncomfortable for me to continue to ha- try to inhabit that space, um, and be the person that I am today. <laughs> mm. So like you know, having that be the th- the song that everyone expects and wants to hear, um, you know, I don't want to seem. I, I'm grateful for that, you know, and I think it's, in, in the whole, it's a, on the whole, it's a compliment, you know. Yeah. But I'm no, I mean, I'm not that person. I'm not in that place. I don't remember what it feels like to make that song. But do you think? Do you think you might not have such conflicted feelings if it wasn't like such insanely like personal music? Probably not, but that's just the only way I know how to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you, yeah, probably not. It, 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 it's just part of the, you know, the way that I am as a creative person. Yeah, it, I'm. It's a, it's a shame. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, it's not because yeah. it's who I am and it's what I do. But, but that's just the way that it's. Uh, yeah, if I didn't feel if it wasn't so intensely personal and it wasn't so filtered through my own self and my own experiences. I doubt I would be having the similar issues. Yeah. But. It's like I'm thinking about, like, touring. Have you seen B. Rich's hit song? Of course. Like, I'm thinking about, like, touring with that. Like, I like I did a tour as, like, mm. his hype man, kind of. And, mm-hmm. like, it's, like, the... It's just kind of like, yeah, of course we'll play the one... That people want to yeah. hear, well, it, but it's like so. It's there's, it's so like impersonal or yeah. so. You know what I mean? Just giving like, people what they're there to see. Yeah, it yeah. feels weird. I mean, honestly, like I would always get snippy. I'm not snippy because I'm too nice for that, but um, it would be a, very common that it's very common that we play a show. We're in the set where I'm in the middle of playing all these songs, and we'll be like halfway through. We always play civilian at the end. It's yeah. a, you know, we always play it and it's always at the end. Yeah. And there always, usually there's someone at some point in the set that calls out, Ryan, you know. And it's fine. It's no big deal. But I would usually respond and be like, 
come on, like, you know we're going to play that song. Of yeah. course we're going to play that yeah, song. Yeah, totally. And on the one hand, I don't believe, at least theoretically, I don't believe that artists are obligated to give their fans anything that they don't want to give them. Yeah. So on like a on like a philosophical level, like I don't think that I have an obligation. But I I've spent a lot of time thinking about this. I feel I would I don't feel right getting up and calling my in calling ourselves Wyoke and selling tickets as Wyoke and expecting people to give me their money that they work hard for. I feel like it's this unspoken contract for me personally. And then yeah. again, this is not something that I would apply. I don't feel like artists owe their fans anything except yeah. what they want to deliver as right, a band. Right. But for me personally, I had a really hard time getting up and saying, we're Oak," and then not playing that song. I wouldn't, I don't feel right asking people to come and pay their money and then not. And I just feel like I don't want to disappoint people, you know? Right. And so I would disappoint myself over other people, yeah. and I and it's it's just something that you have to sort of make peace with. But um, I always felt like I couldn't not play it. I felt like it was something that I, I you know, I I wanted to give that to people. I felt yeah. like it was sort of like an unspoken contract, and I didn't feel right asking for people's money and calling myself a certain thing and then trying to not be that thing. Yeah, totally. Um, so you know. Um, it's a weird, it's a weird thing, but of course, you know, people would call out for it, and I'd be like, "Yes, of course, we're going to play it." Yeah, like, it's like not, not. Don't freak all. out, you guys can yeah. stop. Like, you don't have to worry about yelling about it. Like, we're going to play it. It'll be the, it'll be the last song. Now you guys know how it's going to work, so just chill. Yeah. Um, and I didn't mean it to be like in a shitty way. It was more just like I really just didn't want to be like, "Don't worry about it. It's cool. Like, let's all just relax." Yeah, totally. I think you know what's cool though. At least it's still like, I don't know. You know, like we're talking about, like the flash of these like opening shows and trying yeah. trying to fit into that. Mm-hmm. At least it's like a song that people want to hear. You know what I'm saying? It's, no, I mean it's cool. It's like I never would want to seem ungrateful. Yeah, it's more just like I know there are plenty of people who would kill to be in my position, but all I have is my experience. Oh yeah, and yeah. so like all I can really speak to is like what it's like to be living my life. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm I always try and be as grateful as possible for the things that I have, but it's not like there's anyone in this earth in any position anywhere that doesn't have to deal with, I mean, you know, struggle and, you know, I don't know. It's just sort of like, there's no point at which you have enough or like your success is ever going to be enough. Oh yeah. Money is ever going to be enough to make you not human with human difficulties and human needs. I guess. Yeah. I'm just saying I wouldn't want to be, my worst nightmare would be to be like, you're the guy that wears that funny hat. Or, oh, or, right. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like, or something yeah, like no, that. totally. At least it's a song that I, I want. Yeah. yeah. I got it. Yeah. No, I don't know. Uh, it's, I'm always flattered to hear when people connect with something that yeah. I've done. But it doesn't mean I'm going to personally feel connected to it forever. Yeah. Because it's just not, it's counterintuitive to the way that I work. It's not like I'm going to stop writing songs. It's like, you know, I have to be looking towards new things it's it's my you know i'm if i'm growing as a person i'm growing as an artist and like yeah. I'm growing as a songwriter and i can't stay connected to that stuff forever it just doesn't work that way i was i was really interested with this new album like when i've seen you like throughout the last year or whatever like you've mentioned like 
and then and since it's been like in in like press stuff and everything like that you had this like writer's block going on mm-hmm. like it, I, I, well first of all is writer's block the right word i would say it's the it's a it's the short it's a good short yeah definition of what was going on it was it was the symptom of a of a deeper underlying cause but yeah that was definitely what was going on like well what what was the underlying cause uh yeah i mean i was detached i was coming off of a period of intense touring and i was yeah. very detached i was in order to perform you know i was saying before like i i had to detach and i had to make peace with the fact that i was performing music that i was not connected to yeah and the the result of that was forgetting how to feel connected to mm. music in general and it it was an intense act of recovering from that was had a lot to do with like self love and self acceptance mm. and remembering how to make something just for myself and trying to figure out what that even sounded like yeah you know because I had spent so long I would just I was so alienated from it at a point you know? yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was, it was a long process of, like, I had to do a lot of deep personal work on myself Mm. in order to get to a place where I could comfortably make music again. But I felt like what I had to say was worth saying Mm. and sharing. Did you, uh, you know, I feel like nothing makes you feel like more of a bozo than like picking up and it's like trying to write a song and not doing it. Yeah. You know? it's the word. I mean, you have to, in order to get, in order to have any sort of productivity, you have to allow yourself to suck. Yeah. You have to turn off your critical voice for long enough to, cause anything that you make when it, you start it is going to suck. Yeah. No matter what it is. If you have that inner critic, involved too early in the game you can talk yourself out of anything yeah and you don't allow your ideas to expand and grow and reach their full potential because they have to suck before they get better yeah you know you don't see what a, a, a small idea that sounds really silly you have to be able to see that potential right and right. trust that it's there and silence that inner critic to the point where you're able to bring it to life because it takes time. Yeah. And I think I was at a point where I was just everything that I tried to do was like stupid, it sucks, it's terrible, yeah. it'll never be good. And that took a long time. I had I had really work to to silence that inner critic and learn how and when to turn that off. Yeah. It's it's yeah, it is a weird thing because I often feel I feel like I have probably 40 garage band files on my computer now that I would file under stupid or or maybe maybe more but like yeah. I it is a weird thing cuz it's like I do think any of them could become something cool if you just given enough time mm-hmm. and open mindedness or whatever mm-hmm. but then it's like you, I feel like it's always a balance between like forcing something right and like being like being like no we have to start somewhere let's start here you know yeah, what I mean? that's a good way to put it i mean you do have to start somewhere everything every idea has yeah. to start somewhere and it usually starts yeah 
in a place that feels silly if you're looking at it um, from outside, but you have yeah. to look at it with that eye, that eye toward what it could be. I also think that, you know, it's funny because being creative isn't the kind of work that X amount of time equals Y amount of output. Like, you can put in all the time and, and you can either pay off or it can't. But I, I believe, or I have to come to believe that putting in the work is never pointless even if you don't necessarily get something out of it because i mean i have a similar thing you know my file my computer is just full of abandoned demos yeah and but every single one of them i feel like you know you like i think you just working on your craft alone gets you to that point where you're able to do the one that makes the cut and that that turns into a song so it's not like the time that you're putting in that doesn't really result in a finished product is a waste it's more that you got to work through all those yeah. to get to the good stuff. And the more time you put in, like, examining, being thoughtful, and work on your craft, the more likely it is you're going to hit on one of those keepers. Yeah. Um, so your time's never a waste, but it's just, it's not, there's no guarantee. It's like you can't, like, it's not like a lot of work when there's, like, a guaranteed, tangible yeah. sort of output for every, you know, amount of time you put in. Yeah, it's like, it's like even, even something I have, that's just like a snare drum or something, mm-hmm. and it's like this is nothing. You can be like, okay, let's get the delay and the reverb going on mm-hmm. this, and then the, the, you know that might lead you to be like, yeah. oh, this riff sounds good on this or something like that. And if you're being too critical, you'll lose. Yeah, that. I mean, yeah, you just have to you have to let it give it time to develop. So that was a good lesson for me to learn. <laughs> yeah. So what, when you say like the self acceptance, like how does that? that's how it comes I guess that's how it comes in it's like you're not trying to you, you're not trying to criticize your own yeah feelings I guess and you gotta give inspiration. yourself the, yeah you gotta give yourself the benefit of the doubt you have to believe yeah. that I had to figure out a way to believe that what I had to say was worth something yeah, yeah. you know like that my what I made what I created was worth existing yeah bringing to life and that, and for a while, I think I was just sort of like, music is stupid. Nobody cares. I, the world doesn't need any more songs. I should do something real. I should do something that actually helps people. You know, the world is so fucked. I need to like actually do something tangible instead of just sitting here dicking around with my computer making music. Like, um, you know, I was I got it was a really negative, negative place. And like, yeah, no one, no, I don't. The world doesn't need to hear what I have to say. And, Right. I'm I'm being selfish and I'm delusional and et cetera, et cetera. You know, it it was, I had to come around to this idea that, you know, I I had the right to create as much as anyone else. And whether people like it or not is up to them, but it doesn't mean that I should stop doing it because I love to do it and it brings me joy. And like, yeah. and it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter who likes it and who doesn't. Like, what matters is that I like it and that I'm making it and allowing myself to make it. And really I, believing that, you know, because you can say that. It's easy to say that, but actually believing yeah. that is another thing entirely. I I feel like I, I've felt that many times of being, like, almost, like, embarrassed. Like, especially, like, having, like, 20 albums or whatever. I feel like it's kind of like, do I really think this is the one? Like, you know, like, right. I, I feel like every time you have to get to a point where you're sort of like, this it's is the best. awesome. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I always feel like, is this, do people really need, like, 
hype album number 21 or whatever and mm-hmm. you know and it's like but and, and then I, yeah and then i get into the same thing of like what am i doing with my life mm-hmm. am i selfish mm-hmm. why do i like the sound of my own voice so mm-hmm. much as you know like mm-hmm. a why am i doing this and it i always i always feel like it's like that place it's just ridiculous mm-hmm. you know what i mean like like no one in like these like soup kitchens or whatever is like is like we need these other people they're out like singing these songs or you, you know <laughs> what i mean like <laughs> um I, I mean i think i think the way i came to think about it was like the way that i can do the most amount of good in the world is by working with my natural inclinations yeah like taking what i'm best at and figuring out a way to do something good with it that works with works to my strengths as opposed to trying to force myself to be something that I'm not that I think is like of greater worth for yeah. whatever reason. So, you know, thinking about ways to use music to heal. I mean, like to heal myself and and it's like it seems trite to be like, well, making music that heals you helps to heal others. I think it's true though. I mean, I use other people's music as a comfort yeah. and I think that's important. I mean, that's a, that's an important real thing. But in even in more tangible terms, like, you know, when we did the Y Oak tour for Shriek and, um, you know, we we donated a certain amount to charity for every show that we did. We, oh, we donated a percentage of, of each tic- – the ticket sales from each show to a local charity in each city that we visited. Yeah. Um, you know, I cool. realized, like, I have a better shot at actually actually doing something that makes a difference if I work with my strengths. Yeah. If I work totally true. through like what I'm actually naturally good at as opposed to being like, music is stupid. I need to be a doctor. I'm right, never going right. to be a doctor. I don't have the skill set. Yeah. I don't have the brain. It's not, I'm or not naturally suited to do it. Desire. There, or yeah, or the desire. Yeah. And there are people out there that are made to do that and I'm not yeah. one of them. So, you know, I have a better shot at giving back to the world in some way if I work with my strengths as a friend, you know, and I, and I accept the way that I am and try and do as much with it as I can. Yeah. You know, I want to make music that heals people. Yeah. I resisted that for a long time, you know. I think oh, I wanted to be, again, I wanted to be something that I wasn't, you know. I was like, beautiful music is, is silly and trite. I want to, I want to make, I want to make angry, aggressive sounding music. Mm. But I never really could. Because I never really had it. I never really had, like, my heart wasn't fully in it, you know. And I yeah. like, the thing is, like, I like so many different kinds of of music that it's really hard for me to not want to do everything. But, like, fact of the matter is, like, my sensibilities, my tendencies, wherever the hell all this shit comes from, it's, like, coming through from a very particular place. And if yeah. I accept that, I'll create more. And it is what it is. You know, there's a place for everyone and everyone has a voice. And, like, I don't have to make a million different kinds of music to communicate. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I guess it comes down to just, I don't feel like I have anything to prove anymore. I just, yeah. I want to make something that feels honest to me. And I, and if I'm connected to it, I have a lot of faith that other people will feel connected to it. Maybe it will help people in a way that it helps me. And then, you know, if that is true, then I can use whatever success I get from that to actually give back to the world in some tangible yeah. way. It's, it's interesting. I think I have that too. Like, like and I think most people do. They have what they're doing, and then sort of what they feel like they should be doing. Yeah, like, totally. Like with, within music, like, like 
like to do what's actually right for you at the moment is like i think the best thing and the also like the hardest it's the hardest thing yeah totally no i agree with you and it and it um it's really worrying about what people think about that is just a distraction yeah from that um and it's a human thing you know but it's also I mean, being creative and making something gen- that you feel like genuinely speaks for you is hard enough as it is. And it's, it, yeah, and you put yourself in a really vulnerable place. But um, there's it, it, just obsessing over trying to satisfy everyone is impossible. And it will yeah. distract you from that ability. You just have to focus on making something that speaks to you. And if you can focus, I mean, for me, if I can focus on that as, that is like the one shining beacon in all of the chaos and confusion that I have with the whole process. If I can do that, I know it. Yeah. I focus on that and that way, like, honestly, like, whatever happens with it, whether people like it or not, whether if it's successful or not, it, t- it can't really touch me, honestly. Like, yeah. whereas if you don't feel like you're doing something that's genuine, you'll know because... <laughs> The whole the, the house of cards will certainly crumble somewhere along the line, but yeah, um, but yeah, you know, I mean, you got to stay. You got, I mean, that's the hardest thing to do. But if you can do it, yeah, it works. Yeah. Well, I guess that's about it. Unless there's anything else you want to mention or anything. No, man, I've I've had a really nice time. This has been really cool chatting yeah, with you. I'm so glad you did this. Thanks for inviting me into your zone world. <laughs> oh, thank you. All right, thanks a lot to Jen for coming on. It was a great conversation. We kind of went all over the place. I didn't really stick to the timeline, but I think it's better that way. Peace.